Have you ever had a conversation with someone that sparked an aha moment that helped you see yourself in a whole new light? I had one of those conversations a couple of years ago with a dear friend of mine after I'd done a presentation on mongers. First, let me back up a little bit. For years, I taught about the monger, and I was fascinated by this concept of the inner critic because my inner critic was driving me crazy. She was constantly talking to me and constantly telling me what to do and constantly making me feel like crap. And I did some research on what to do with the monger, and I was teaching about it and talking about it in a variety of different places, but none of it was really working for me in my own life. But I hadn't admitted that to myself. I guess a part of me was just hoping one day it would click and poof, my monger would be gone. So back to the conversation. I was doing this presentation at a local wine bar on the subject of mongers. It was an open presentation to the public, but a number of my friends came there to support me. And after the presentation, one of my closest friends, Jamie, came up to me to say, oh my gosh, love the presentation. You're an amazing presenter. And I'm not going to do anything you said because, you know, I really need my monger. If I didn't have my monger, I wouldn't get anything done. And we laughed and joked and ha 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 ha. And we went about our business. And then later, as I got home, I realized Jamie was right. I really believed I needed my monger too. I had this secret love affair with my monger. And after that conversation, I realized all the material I was sharing, it wasn't working. All the stuff I was talking about, it wasn't fixing the problem for me. And it wasn't going to one day magically, poof, make my monger disappear. And so that was when I decided to go on a quest and figure out how to solve this monger problem, how to really get to the root of why she was so belittling, shaming, and mean, and why I believed I needed that voice. I give Jamie the credit for helping me get honest with myself so I could get to the root of this monger problem. It was through that conversation that I then wrote The Happier Approach. And so I wanted to bring Jamie back and just chat with her about her monger and anxiety and all the things that we talk about on this podcast. You're listening to The Happier Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. I'm your host, Nancy Jane Smith. Jamie and I gathered on my front porch. It was a beautiful fall day, and you'll hear the birds and the cars driving by because I just wanted kind of a chit-chat with my friend. Nothing with fancy microphones and no crazy intense questions. Just two friends gathering to talk about anxiety, mongers, rules, regulations, and all the things in between. I hope you will enjoy this conversation. So how would you say your, your inner critic monger motivates you? I would say it's one of those like everybody's depending on you. You got to get this done. If you don't get it done, kids aren't going to have their uniform to wear for soccer. Or if you don't get it done, people are going to see the piles of dog hair in all the corners of the house and across all major surfaces of the house (laughs) floors. You better get it done because you'll look like a a goofball if you don't. Mm -hmm. So so highly critical and motivating. I don't know about like critical, like you're a dummy kind of, like you're so stupid kind of thing. I got somebody in there saying, dude, you're running out of time. (laughs) Get it done. 
it's more of like you're going to look like a fool if you don't do whatever it is you need to do or your kids are showing up without their teeth brushed or whatever. Yeah, it's not, it's more, as we were talking about before, the people-pleasing yes. vein than you are a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More what will they think. Yes, yes. Okay. It reflects poorly and you look like an incompetent boob. I want to jump in here real quick and say I believe everyone has a monger. And it was through talking about the happier approach that I realized some of us have a monger who's like a demon. She is mean, relentless, and unforgiving. She is constantly telling us that we have to get it done or we will fail. And then some of us, like Jamie, have a monger who is driving and pushing and critical, but more like a pushy teacher than a demon. I would never relax or pause if I couldn't sit down while there was stuff out because there's always stuff out and it can stay out and I can stress myself out about getting it done or I can sit down and watch a show with my family and the dishes will be there later. They're not going anywhere. (laughs) Um, But Dave was telling me that he was like, you are such an enigma because we have the dishwasher that has the rack at the top where you can put all the silverware in all nice and neat. Mm -hmm. And so I save all the silverware till the end because it drives me bananas because I have a very rigid way about how I put the silverware in the dishwasher, (laughs) which Dave was like, the counters are covered in clutter and you're like organizing the knives in the dishwasher. And I was like, well, I hate it when I get them all organized and then somebody has a piece of toast and there's one more knife and I don't have room for it in the knife section. And so I'd rather let everything sit out come to a final stopping point and say, okay, it's the end of the day. No more knives are coming in and out. I can organize all the knives, soup spoons, big forks, little forks, teaspoons, and then like coffee type, uh, what do you call it? Demitas spoons <laughs> at the end, big to little. And Dave was like, I, I don't even know what to say. But I, that brings you joy. Yes, I like seeing, and he was like, you can have dog hair everywhere and crap all over the counters but all your knives are in the knife spot and all your forks in the fork spot and i was like yes but that's how they get clean if you just put them in willy-nilly then when i pull them out there's still like peanut butter on some of them and stuff and so uh, yeah would you say you have a lot of rules rigidities uh is if i'm going to do it i'm going to do it right so if it sits in a pile on the dining room table for six months. I'm okay with that as long as it's not in my way. Because if I'm going to do a project, I want to do it right and I don't want to do it half ass. Mm-hmm. And so I'd rather it sit there if it's not something that's very pertinent. I'd rather it sit there and get done when I have the time to get it done. Now saying I, when I have the time, that'll be, you know, when I'm 70. Right, but, right, right. But yeah. I'm not just going to kind of just like cram it into the cabinet and put it away just to have it out of sight because I still need to do it. And then I know it's sitting in the cabinet in a disheveled mess. Right. So I have to get it back out of the cabinet, put it back out on the dining room table, even just to start. So I'd rather just leave it there. Know I need to do it. I see it. I know I need to do it. And I may not get to it for a couple of months, but that's okay. I'll get there. I just don't want to do it haphazardly and have it done half-assed. So I'd rather it sit around. And And if it's out of sight, it's out of mind? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dave's like a stuff it in the closet, get it out of sight. We Nothing to see here. Right. Yes. 
and um like if you know people are coming over yes i like the house to look nice and right. organized and stuff but i i mean if there's my makeup bag sitting out on the counter people know i wear makeup it's not a big deal it's right the makeup bag but you know dave likes totally clear counters and so that's just so what is the right way then who determines the right way in the sense of like <laughs> whoever gets there first <laughs> <laughs> but not between you and dave but in your brain oh what is oh. what makes it the right way mm. like is it if is it order is it efficiency is it i would say it's order like laundry you know having all the laundry done would be like washed folded and put away but i can usually get to the wash dried in a basket but that whole folding which i love folding laundry i find it very relaxing i have a little board and i put <laughs> shirt out on the board and you flap the flaps and you know it folds it up into this perfect little square and then i totally marie condoed like this is one of those things like yes there may be 27 dishes in my sink but the shirts that I did wash, fold, and put away are very organized because they're in like a file system versus stacked. They're flipped. Oh, okay. So you can kind of dig through your shirts and see all the different colors and oh, whatever wow. you're doing. All right. Crazy pants. <laughs> if you were to walk in my house, you would not think that my drawers would look like that. Right. But that would be lovely to have the time to do that. But I mean, I never have time to, you know, totally get everything folded and so we're always looking for soccer uniforms and the clean laundry basket like it's always clean but it's just not folded and put away and until you can fold it in the with the board yeah if it, i'm gonna fold it it's it gotta to be, be with, with the, the board. board and neat and tidy otherwise i'm just kind of wasting my time like why why fold it if it's not going to fit in the drawer where it's supposed to go right okay fascinating why because <laughs> the part i find fascinating is we all have those rules and rigidities mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. so when someone says oh you're a type a person mm. there are things you are type a about yes and then there are things you are not type a about mm -hmm. you know i mean the nickname for your family is the must bombs <laughs> because <laughs> running in with our pants on fire sliding in the home with dirt all over our faces <laughs> we're here we made it! <laughs> Suitcase is very packed, nice and neat. Everything's rolled and it fits and it's all in there, but whew, what a ride. <laughs> I remember when Doug said to me, um, well, even recently we had an argument, just this week we had an argument because we were watching a TV show. I go to the bathroom and get a drink and come back and sit down and I'm starting back up the TV show. And then he gets up. <laughs> to get a snack and I'm like what are you doing and he said oh I just decided I wanted a snack we and already had half time I was like that is inefficient we had the break and he said we're watching a tv show why do we need to be efficient in watching a tv show which is an excellent point and that is why that I married him that is true that is true and I have you know like I would have snapped at him big time Mm -hmm. years ago but mm -hmm. now i can be like what are you doing like yeah. you're being inefficient. What's happening now so efficiency is one of my mm -hmm. rigidities mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. even like in making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich it has to be 
efficient in the number of dishes I use and the movement. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Definitely efficient in the number of dishes I use. And like with efficiency, I am almost rabid about my efficiency with driving. Like I know the patterns of all the street lights. If I'm like driving north to get on the highway, like I know that it's generally going to take longer to go one way when it's not rush hour and it's going to take longer to go another way when it is rush hour mm -hmm. depending on you know times and stuff but then if there's no rush hour i know two different ways to go depending on when i peek around the corner if one light is green i know i need to go straight or if it's red i know it's going to turn wow. before i get there mm -hmm. and so it's faster to go that way <laughs> bananas <laughs> And I was like that in law school, too. I have very specific recollections of how I would go to school because I knew if this light's green, I'm going to get the next red light. So I got to turn on the green light here to make sure I get the other green light. Wow. So I do appreciate some efficiency. That's impressive. Because <laughs> that's what I always laugh. Like, I re it was mom and I will constantly be like, or dad, my dad was especially bad about this. Like, if you got stuck in traffic uh -huh. and then you figured out a different way and then you would get to your destination and you'd be like, we did it the right way. Uh-huh. And then Doug ruined it by saying, how do you know? Right. How do you know this was the right way? Because you just ended up at the destination the same as you would have in a variety of other ways. Uh -huh. And I was like, no, we did it the right way because it was the way we went. <laughs> it was the way we went. <laughs> it was what we chose, so it was right. <laughs> <laughs> so are there, other than efficiency, are there other rigidities in the, like, order? Uh-huh. 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 Like our... My side of the bedroom is a bit of a fiasco, but I also have two dogs on my side of the bedroom, just for a little credit. <laughs> but Dave is like, what is happening over there? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I got to get the sheets folded and put them in the little, uh, you know, under the bed zippy thing. And if they're not folded right, they're not going to fit. So I got to make sure I get them folded right to get them into the under bed zippy thing. There's a recipe in that magazine that I know I want. I may have forgotten which recipe it was, but I know there was a good one in there. I got to rip that recipe out, take a picture of it, so I have it in my phone. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, just just throw it away. Put it in the recycle <laughs> bin. Move on. Move on with your life. Clear the clutter out of your life. Um, so that's where I get kind of bogged down. Like, I know I need to do something with that, so I'm going to hold on to it. Because you have a system for what you need to do with it. Mm -hmm. It's just having mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. to invoke mm -hmm. the system. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which I'll never have the time to invoke the system. Right, but right, But I right. try. Yeah. No, I, try. I, I appreciate the endless hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope springs eternal. <laughs> so I know anxiety is something that you struggle with. Mm -hmm. How would you say the monger plays into that or these rigidities even at the beginning of kind of my trip down anxiety lane was mainly like end of law school beginning of work and it was you know you have to take bar exam to practice because I practiced on um, a state border so I needed mm -hmm. both bar exams and I remember after I took the bar exam in the first state where I practiced after the bar exam, I, th I was just like, that was terrible. I know I flunked. I got to go through all of that again. And it I couldn't talk for like a day. Mm. 
and my dad had driven me from where we took the bar exam in mid-Missouri to where I grew up in Kansas City. And I think I just stared out the window and just kind of cried and whimpered on the way home. And my dad was like, it's fine. I'm like, it's not fine. <laughs> I'm going to have to do it again. I still remember we pulled up in the driveway and my dad just kind of like waved to my mom, just like gave her like the cutthroat <laughs> sign, like don't even engage, just let her go whimper in her corner and lick her wounds and maybe she'll come out tomorrow better. There's no way I passed that stupid test. I'm going to have to take it again and I'm going to have to go through all that misery of studying for it again. And I kind of got a hybrid answer. I got, you pass the bar exam for the state of Missouri and then if you want to take an exam in another state, if you score high enough on the multiple choice part of the test, you can just carry that part over but I didn't get high enough on the multiple choice part mm. to carry it over for the neighboring state. And so I had to do the whole thing again to take the neighboring state. So I did pass, but I didn't pass high. I kind of passed low mm. because okay. I didn't get to carry over my multiple choice score when I took Illinois. So then it was, okay, I was smart enough to pass, but I have this nice job at a nice law firm they're going to suss me out at some point and fire me because mm. there's no way I should have this job. I got this job because my dad knew somebody and I interviewed well and my grades were pretty good and I passed the bar. So, you know, I'm qualified, mm -hmm. but when's the other shoe going to drop and they're going to figure me out. Mm -hmm. And so that's like where the monger comes in like, Hey, walking into work today. Didn't get fired yesterday. <laughs> Woo! Coming back again. Let's see what happens today. <laughs> so that's like that monger and that strain of anxiety. And then now, since I'm not practicing, um, it's all like with the kids. Like, do kids get their homework done? Did they play the piano? Did they, you know, go to soccer practice? Are they doing well in school? Did I sign them up for the right things? If I don't sign them up for the right things, are they not going to improve with piano, improve with soccer, improve with basketball, blah, 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 blah. This is so common. Our mongers convince us we're a fraud and we're going to get found out. And her message is we need to keep hustling, pushing and striving. And then hopefully one day we will be accepted. But in reality, she keeps changing the goalposts, just as she did with Jamie. Once she stopped practicing law, her monger came in to tell her the same message of never enough in regard to parenting. Your monger's message will just shift and change with you until you decide to get her under control and bring in your biggest fan. And that was where I had kind of gotten out of the legal job stress and then kind of moved it to a different kind of mm -hmm. holy crap it's not me getting fired it's my kids getting behind or mm -hmm. not having the right opportunities or whatever i mean you know we live in la la land they have plenty of opportunities okay so i want to step in here and talk about privilege which jamie alludes to jamie is right she and i do live in la la land with the amount of privilege we have and that is one of our monger's favorite way of shaming us and keeping us stuck. Our monger will tell us we need to be grateful, that we can't complain, that we're being whiny and privileged. And that message isn't helping anyone. Being privileged is a different issue. 
If you're privileged, then you need to own that and use it. Use it to bring awareness to less privileged voices. Use it to give to organizations that help fight the disparity in our world. But beating yourself up, shaming yourself for worrying about privileged things, well, that doesn't help those who are starving or suffering finding food, shelter, and employment. It just makes you feel paralyzed by shame. Privileged is something you need to own. It isn't something you need to shame yourself about. I think if I don't do one more thing or get them enrolled in a certain thing, then they're going to fall behind mm -hmm. and not be as good as they could be or they could have been great at this, but I dropped the ball and didn't sign them up or didn't mm -hmm. register them in time. And then it's my fault. But before we hit record, you were saying that the relationship with your monger, you weren't quite as strong as your statement that you made to me at the wine bar now as you felt then. Yes. What has changed? It was one of those things where I was like, dude, if I don't have my monger, I'm not, I'm not studying for the bar. I'm not trying to find a job. Or she is back there saying, get it done, do it. And otherwise it's a heck of a lot easier to sit down and watch Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess it's one of my good friends has said, we don't live in a show house. Mm. You can't expect yourself to live in a show house. And then Dave will say, but we can't live in a pigsty either. And so it's just trying to navigate that balance, which you're always walking that tightrope of, okay, but we could vacuum. Let's, let's get that done mm -hmm. versus like b before it was, you know, working with the kids on pitching because they were going to be pitching <clears throat> for a season in baseball. So I, you know, I watched YouTube videos and then I was out in the driveway working with them. And yes, I could be inside folding clothes, vacuuming, doing whatever project I left on the northeast corner of the dining room table that I know I need to get to. Or I could teach them how to throw a pitch, and I'd rather them know how to throw a pitch mm -hmm. than get to whatever project that's been sitting on the dining room mm -hmm. table forever. Mm -hmm. But that's the battle is, but yes, I do need to go inside and take care of some things. So it's just that constant, like, yeah. which way am I going to land on the tightrope? Mm -hmm. You know, I think <clears throat> initially when I started this work, I wanted her to be gone. Like, uh-huh. But mm -hmm. it's recognizing that she is always going to be there. And that's why I love the, you know, I love the model of the biggest fan because the biggest fan is just the monger with kind words. Yes. And that is a much more content way to go about things. Yeah. Is having a, all right, you got to get it done. How about we turn on some music while you do it or mm -hmm. something or... Have the kids help. Yeah, because I think about, because I was going to say, when you were talking about the baseball, you know, that really is about what do I value? Mm -hmm. And I value my kids knowing how to play baseball. I value me spending time with them. I value, mm -hmm. you know, this is making a memory more so than I value that the project on the northeast corner of the dining room table is done. <laughs> and I can't do that all the time. You know, I don't want to be, I'm also not going to be the mom who's going to be constantly out here playing with my kids. Right. To the detriment of. Right. You know, right. The rules and rigidities will constantly <laughs> fascinate me because I think 
They are just fascinating. They, yes, we humans are an interesting breed. I love how Jamie talks about being human and brings her own sense of humor to the many rules and rigidities we have in dealing with our anxiety. We all tend to take ourselves a little too seriously. So anytime we can bring humor and some kindness to our lives, we are better off. I will say, even after all this time, my monger has not, poof, disappeared. But she has lost her hold on me. Bringing her and her shaming ways out into the open has made a huge difference. And living the principles I talk about in The Happier Approach allows me to keep her in check. I wrote The Happier Approach to help you unhook the belief that to accomplish anything, you need to be constantly beating yourself up. It is for those of you who realize that living with this constant attack isn't helpful and yet secretly feel like you need it not to be a complete lump on the couch all the time. And if you have a love-hate relationship with your monger, this book is for you. The Happier Approach will help you understand the voices in your head and what to do with them. It's not another woo-woo self-help book that asks you to think positively and live your best life. It's a practical guidebook for getting out of survival mode and finding a genuinely happy and productive life. You can find The Happier Approach on Amazon, Audible, or Barnes & Noble. <laughs> 